Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Before we get started, let's take a look at the trailer for Maniac. I try to bring them to life. Would you like to see my work? I think you're incredibly talented. They may just have found the last true romantic. I don't know about all that. Stop staring. You're missing a movie. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Clark Collis, and tonight's guest, Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. Clark Collis. Um, so we're going to ask you about this uh, film, Maniac, which I've now seen twice, and I am genuinely worried about sitting this close to you. <laughs> I have to say. Uh, maybe we could start by, I mean, Maniac... Uh, as we say in Britain, it pretty much does what it says on the tin, uh, to some extent. You, you play a uh, mannequin renovator, um, and if that wasn't creepy enough, you're also a serial killer uh, in the film. And uh, just those people who haven't seen the film yet had the, the, the pleasure. It is one of those films that is absolutely unforgettable you you will not be there are certain images in it that i think it's fair to say will live in your mind uh for the rest of your life um but how did you get involved in this project in the first place the one of the producers alex taylor um who has worked with alex aja on a number of his american films uh is a friend of mine and she basically said hey would you would you like to play... This is exactly the pitch. She was like, would you like to play a serial killer in a maniac remake that's entirely in POV in which you'd only be seen in reflections? <laughs> and I, that, I found that so intriguing. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of the genre. I, I was really excited at the prospect of working with Aja. I think 
normally I'm relatively reticent to... I'm not a huge fan of horror film remakes, but I was really intrigued at the notion of remaking something from a completely different perspective and, and really taking ownership over a very new direction for the storytelling. Um, and I, I found the idea of, of getting to inhabit a character that you, you rarely see as being something really exciting, particularly in that it, it could create a very exciting experience for an audience, one that's deeply unsettling and disturbing. And I, I, uh, I just loved the whole package. So that's kind of how I was initially approached. And they initially said, well, it'll only be two weeks of work. You know, you'll just come in and do your reflection shots. <laughs> and of course it wasn't. I was there for every single day for the four weeks because it ended up being far more challenging and I think more of a process of discovery than any of us had sort of anticipated. Well, it's, it's such an interesting film because you are, I mean, I guess in screen time, it's hard to think of a leading man in a film who is sort of less on screen in, in a way, um, particularly your face. But, and yet you get the sense that you were on screen the whole time. Right. Yeah, and a lot of that came... You know, the, playing the part was kind of a... It was like playing a part in three parts. Um, there was working very closely with Maxime, the DP, who effectively was me as the camera operator. Um, there were these reflection shots, the, the sort of third-person perspective shots for a lot of the kills, and then there was the re-recording of all of the dialogue. And I always kind of knew that it was in the, the recording process that the real character work would be done. It's for all those quiet moments when you're not seeing him, when he's not necessarily even talking to anybody, that I got a chance to add a sense of presence so that you're always feeling him. Um, and that was a lot of fun. Well, th this is a big sort of heavy breathing movie as mm. well, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, there's a lot of, <laughs> a lot of heavy breathing. <laughs> well, to give us people more of an idea uh, what we're talking about here, can we, can we run a clip? I'll give you my number. So if you change your mind, I promise to have them home before midnight. I can be a good mother. <laughs> my name's Anna. Thank you. Call me, please. Oh, and by the way, you have lipstick on your face. <laughs> have a great day. <laughs> I, th I think you have some right there. No, no, no. So embarrassing. <laughs> I know, I, I got it. You know. uh, um, and you were saying, you were telling me earlier that I, I had no idea whether Mannequin Renovator is actually a, a job or not, but you were saying that it is. It is. Yes. Yeah, we, we, um, we actually had a, a photo shoot that we had to stage for a lot of the photo, photos that her character takes of me doing that work. And we actually got a guy who had the supplies and the various tools that you need for that particular job to come in and sort of show how it's actually done. So no, in fact, there are people who repair mannequins. And so, I mean... He wasn't that creepy, though. <laughs> he wasn't, surprisingly. Um, and what, was it different interacting with other cast members on this than it would have been on a, on a quote-unquote normal film? Totally, because 80% of the time I was interacting with them on the other side of the camera. Um, 
it must have been interesting. They had, you know, the actors in the film, anyone that had to interact with my character, most of them had to interact with the camera lens. Mm -hmm. So it must have been a very different experience for them. I had the benefit of not necessarily looking at them directly, but being able to watch them and, and, and interact with them in my own way, whereas they had to direct everything to camera. And that's a... It's not... It's, it takes some getting used to, you know? Um, I think it was made easier because each of these scenes we traditionally blocked. So without the camera there, we would work them out as actors. And so they at least had a point of reference. And I was always there giving them the, the lines off, off, off the side of the camera. So certainly in terms of presence. But yeah, it was, it was unique. There was, a, there was a little bit of a disconnect. Um, but I enjoyed that process. I enjoyed the, the technical aspect of it and um, what we were capturing and what Maxime was doing. And um, I, I mean, this is... I would. I mean, you have played some some strange characters before, particularly in in Sin City. Mm. But this is far more of a. Mm. I, mean, I mean, that was a particular thing. This is far more of a sort of a, a well developed character, if, if, yeah. if, if I may. Um, what was it like occupying that that headspace for for four weeks? Well, I think the benefit of of not being on camera the entire time provided a certain distance from the psychology of the character in a way. Um, I don't know. I'm not really a method actor anyway, but I, I, I think I was kept removed a little bit from occupying that psychological space every day because, for the most part, I was there to service a technical performance. Um, so it was all right, actually. I was sort of saved from that. And I, I always kind of knew, like I said before, that the process of going into the voiceover studio and re-recording all the dialogue that the real character work would be done there, um, where I would find the sort of the nuance and the truth of the character and the voice of the character. And in some ways, that was probably the most concentrated character work that I did. I feel I should point out that, that I mean, it is a very extreme horror movie, but there are moments of, I mean, maybe I'm just crazy, but there are moments of, of, sort of jet black, of humor, albeit of a, of a jet black nature. Yeah, there's humor. <laughs> there's humor. It's sort of, you know, the character is awkward. Um, it was really interesting to find various color in the character because he's he's not actually one-dimensional, and I think we tried to make him as three-dimensional as possible. Um, you know, and when he tries to interact with people in the outside world, it normally kind of fails him, and some of the comedy comes out of that. Um, he's miserable with people. <laughs> there, there, there are certain moments when I do feel genuinely sorry for him, and then I feel very bad for feeling sorry for him. Yeah. <laughs> You should feel bad for feeling sorry for him. But I, you know, I, I, I don't think we were ever trying to stress empathy or stress sympathy. Because mm -hmm. I think sometimes when it comes to a character that is capable of such darkness, it can feel forced in storytelling. And I, I, I was always conscious of that. And I think where we found sympathy was just in humanity. You know, finding real human elements to the character, a sense of vulnerability. Um, and a sense of awkwardness. And I think it's in those moments that you see that he is human and, and capable of something beyond what he's doing. All right, let's take another look at uh, another clip. And on that note... <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
You can guess what happens next. Actually, I'm not sure they can because what happens next is is, oh, is, yeah. is spectacularly nasty. Even, it is nasty. Uh, yes. but, but great. It's really fun. I mean, you know, there are these kind of deep psychological aspects of, of the film. But at the same time, I take particular glee in, in playing within the context of a slasher film. It takes what is a traditional slasher film kind of... Um, the model of a slasher film and, and does something really different with it and that scene's a perfect example of it. It's a lot of fun. And what did you think when you, when you saw the film for the first time? I always find it uh, kind of overwhelming to see something for the first time that I've worked on um, because it's hard to be objective, you know. Um, but I found it really surprisingly beautiful for something as grotesque and as dark as it is. And I think a lot of that's... Maxime's camera work. Um, what it lacks, I think, in some POV films or shorts or videos is that, that sense of kinetic movement in lieu of more of a graceful style. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it's kind of off-putting some, sometimes to the point where you actually forget you're watching a POV film mm -hmm. and then you're suddenly reminded. And I really like that aspect of the film. Um, for something as dark as this to be as beautiful as this was a nice surprise. And was there ever a specific moment during the production when you, when you and, and the director and, and everybody else bitterly regretted making a POV movie? <laughs> uh, Frank would occasionally say, God damn it, I just wish I could see you. <laughs> like, you know, we're, we're working and I see you working here as an actor and I can't even use you as an actor in a traditional sense, which was very sweet of him. Um, and, you know, on a daily basis, it, 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 the confines for which it created really boxed us into corners, you know. Um, it, it creates real limitations. We couldn't re rely on traditional editing. We had to be very clever about camera wipes as a way to get out of a, a particular shot. And so, on a daily basis, it was a, it was a struggle, but a fun one. I mean, I think part of making movies is problem-solving, and I enjoy that process. I think it's interesting, and I think it yields interesting results. And along the way, we, we made interesting discoveries, um, things that we hadn't planned on. There's a scene in the film when we're walking out of a cinema, and Nora's character gets into the, the cab, and my character turns around and sees um, a, a wall of televisions on, in like an electronic store, these cameras, and he sees himself on camera. And initially, that was just supposed to be the shot. I turn around, and then you see Frank staring at himself. Well, we had the idea to, to put my hands up into frame, and we actually had to coordinate that. So Maxime put his hands up into the camera frame, and then I had to, at this simultaneously, because the camera was picking me up on the camcorder, do it at the same time. So there were all sorts of things like that that we just sort of planned in the moment, like, man, this would be so cool as a way of connective tissue between, you know, the camera seeing itself and then getting a bit of physicality in there. It was fun. And, and this is so different from really anything you've done before. What kind of reactions have you had from friends or family or festival audiences? The reactions have been incredibly positive. Um, I think I was most afraid, not afraid, but um, I, I was hopeful that it would be received well by horror fans. Um, we're a judgmental sort, and <laughs> it's hard to find great horror films, um, particularly 
you know, they tend to be protective of, of original films, and, and this is, the original Maniac is beloved by horror fans, so I was keen on their appreciate, appreciating the film, and, and we seem to have won over horror film fans, which is wonderful. Um, it's elicited extremely negative reviews as well. There was a review from Fright Fest in London uh, that was m- probably one of my favorite reviews of the film. British people. Because the film... <laughs> <laughs> the guy was what so... What do they know? He was so disturbed on a, on a very profound level um, as to why a movie like this c- could even be made. Uh, so I, I took particular glee with that. But um, I've been really impressed by the way that it's, it's been received. People seem to think it's a modern horror classic. I don't know about that, but I definitely feel proud that we've made something unique and special. Well, I have to say, there's one. I was watching it yesterday at, at home, and, and uh, there was one sequence uh, fairly early on, I think, on your second, well, not, well, your first date, really, where I was thinking, please, God, may my girlfriend not come in at this particular moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we're not, we haven't got that clip, I'm afraid. But oh, maybe what a we shame can, uh, for these people. Put another clip up and then uh, throw some questions to the audience. Stop looking at me. Focus on your work. Anna, c- can you give me a hand? Yeah, sure. What do you need? A, a hand behind you. <sighs> Which one? The second row. This one? Uh, the, the one on the right. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Dr. Frankenstein, I presume. <laughs> Are you a fan of those old films? For sure. Okay, so what do you think about my idea of putting the mannequins among the guests at the show? We could see them mingling like they're real people. Sometimes I think that they have more personality than most people. I think we may have some of the same friends. Uh, I want to throw the questions out of the audience, but one more question for me. Can you assure me that if we come around to your house, you haven't got 30 of those things in your basement? I can assure you. I want to quickly put that into context, too. It's an important part of the storytelling in that the character falls in love with one of these girls that he encounters. And what we are prior established in the film is that he hunts these girls down, and this is someone whom he actually might see a sense of salvation in and, and potentially restrain his, his typical urges with. So there's, you know, an, an attempt at, at, a, at a real relationship with this particular girl. Well, it is, I mean, it, uh, you know, I've been sort of saying it's, it's boy, boy scalps girl to a certain extent. Boy but, scalps girl. But, which I think was the old, I think that in Japan that is what it's going to be called. But the, um, but there is that sense that it is, I mean, it is a, a genuine, if, well, I, I don't want to say which way the love story goes, but, but there is a big love story element to yeah, it. Yeah, there is. A hope on his part, anyway. It might not necessarily be reciprocated in the way that he imagines it is. Um, okay, should we uh, throw it out to the audience? We're Are there any experiences or things that, um, for you as an actor, you're going to kind of take with you as you work on new things and kind of learn new things about yourself? Through an experience? <laughs> uh, experiences working on the film that you'll take on, like, as you kind of keep moving with your career. I mean, I think every experience on some level is a growing experience. Um, I think because this was so technical, 
in addition to it being as dark as it was, I mean, I'd never really played a character quite as dark as this and with as much depth as this character has. So it was a challenge for me as an actor to sort of explore that and to make that come to life in a believable way. So I'll carry that experience with me. Um, it's always tough to tell, like, you know, to pinpoint something directly off of an experience, how it will then pertain to something else. Um, I think every experience, certainly I hope every experience is somewhat of a learning experience and allows you to grow and pushes you forward on some level. Oh, I just wanted to say, I saw the film already at Lincoln He's, Center. Oh, and kill it's it. an, an incredible movie, and your performance is really quite, quite genius. Oh, wow. Thanks. <laughs> oh, you're quite welcome. I'm just I'm wondering what kind of preparation you did in order to take on the role and um, just, yeah, and how did you deal with sort of the, um, the knee-jerk internet reaction to just any and all, you know, every, of course, the whole remake business. Sure. Um, it, not a lot of preparation. There were a few things that I was concerned about, primarily visually. I really wanted the character to look different than me. It was important that we sort of skirt the line between being just on a, in terms of the way he, he looks, between looking a little creepy but not too creepy. It's a funny character because he has to, he has to, he has to look all right enough to not raise red flags to these girls that he's picking up. But I also don't believe that he should look normal, quote unquote, either. So one of the things that was really important in that is um, I ended up cutting my hairline back a little bit to just make him look a little less attractive um, and I felt maybe a little less like me not having like a normal kind of hair style I guess and also be a little dated which was kind of an interesting thing when it came to working with the um, the wardrobe uh, uh, the head costumer she had all these great ideas about his his wardrobe and, and the things that he wears just kind of being of another era but not cool <laughs> like not hipster style but just sort of a slightly out of time and out of touch. Um, so those were all things that, in terms of the prep, were really important to me. And making him look a little bit tired and not well, not necessarily healthy. Um, and again, not pushing that too far where he would be disturbing looking. And then as far as the psychology of the character, I think I was always just looking to make him as human as possible whilst making his darkness as believable as possible as well. And I, I didn't do any research, but I, I'd, I've actually read a lot about <laughs> serial killers just on, a, on a, my own personal interest. Um, I've always found them kind of psychologically fascinating. So I'm sure in the back of my mind, subconsciously or unconsciously, there was a lot of that that was kind of playing around in terms of the depiction of the character as well. And what was your other question? You said something about the reaction oh, but, online. Oh, the uh, the sort of knee-jerk reaction on the uh, just like in terms of like the fan community and the horror scene and yeah. um, just the way like the, you know that whole crowd just kind of like blew up after it was announced that you took the role. Oh, both negative and positively. You mean? <laughs> I expect that. It's it, you know, we live in a world now where when things like that are announced, especially to that community, 
they're going to have a very strong reaction, be it positive or negative. Um, I mean, just read the talkbacks on Ain't It Cool if you want to have a good time for negative energy being spewed out. But it didn't really bother me. I, I sort of expected it. I know, you know, the, the thing about the original is that the, that character, what makes the original film so great is Joe Spinell's performance. And I think, you know, if I had been a fan of the original and heard that someone that looked nothing like Joe Spinell, that has never played a character like that before, was cast, I'd probably have my doubts too. So I wasn't really surprised. It kind of made sense. Hey. Hi. Um, it's interesting that in the clips that we saw, your character shows a lot of fear, where if you watch Hannibal or Dexter, they don't look scared in the act. Was that a conscious decision, or...? Um, yeah, he's not a very confident person. He, he's socially awkward. Um, he's not calculating. And, you know, when you speak to someone like Dexter or, or Hannibal Lecter, definitely, we're dealing with a massive amount of intelligence uh, and, a, and a masking of one's true identity. Whereas this character hasn't really done that. He, he's a recluse. He lives by himself in a, in a world that doesn't really push him to have to deal with other people. And so he doesn't. And so he is, a, he is kind of afraid. He's very vulnerable. He gets himself into situations where he can kind of put on a veneer and be confident slightly when it comes to these women that he spends time with. Um, but it doesn't really go beyond that. So no, there's definitely a, a, a little bit of fear. And I think in some ways it's just his compulsion that gets him out in the world to do the things that he's compelled to do. Um, when you're preparing your character, uh, do you read about Jack the Ripper or search who was he? Jack the Ripper. Yes. Um, no, but I've read a fair amount about Jack the Ripper too. <laughs> uh, y y yeah, no, I didn't specifically read about him for this particular thing, but I've I've read a lot about him in the past, just as a curiosity, particularly in the sense that there's not a whole lot, or there are multiple theories as to who he actually was. It's a fascinating individual. Um, hi. Hi. Uh, you said you're a really big horror fan, and yes. I was just wondering what really draws you to the horror genre, and what is like a classic horror movie that you recommend everyone sees? Um, what's one that I recommend everyone see? I, I always go back to Halloween being my favorite film. Um, it's a pretty obvious answer, because it's a total classic, and most people have seen that film. <laughs> but it's just... Um, I recently rewatched it, and I, it makes me smile. <laughs> like, you know you put on a Christmas movie to feel warm and fuzzy? That's what that movie does to me. It makes me feel really good. Um, I don't know, I think it's a really expertly made film. It was made for very little money, and there's so many wonderful ideas in the filmmaking uh, that get around the fact that they had no money to work with. It's very clever, it totally holds up. It doesn't feel dated. I think Elm Street feels a little dated now. Um, there's some limitations with technology, but great thing about uh, Halloween is that they didn't really have a lot of special effects. It was a slasher, so they didn't really have to deal with weird makeup effects or anything like that. So it still feels like relevant. And what draws me to them? I mean, I saw my first horror film when I was five years old. <laughs> 
Um, and I think initially I was probably drawn to them because I wasn't allowed to see them. You know, it's that thing when you're a kid and you know you're not supposed to be watching something and that's partly why you're watching it and why you're excited to be watching it because you're told you're not supposed to. And I remember the first horror movie I saw was a, a directive uh, video movie called Truth or Dare, A Critical Madness. I highly recommend that to everyone here. Uh, it's awesome. It's really bad, <laughs> but, but wonderfully bad. Um, and I, I kind of was into it from there on out. I, I, I saw Gremlins and Nightmare on Elm Street 3 around the same time. And I've been watching horror movies ever since. And it's not an easy qu question to answer, like what, why is one drawn to horror? Um, some of its aesthetics, I think they lend themselves to really beautiful aesthetics. I mean, you see something like Suspiria, for instance. It's incredibly beautiful, and um, I kind of find the, th that darkness an interesting place to explore. I think I like the visceral feeling that they... I don't find them frightening. They don't really scare me, although we were talking about Insidious before and how scary that movie is. <laughs> um, so I do like the feeling that they elicit as well. I don't know. Hi, I was Hi. just kind of curious. Uh, from making this film, um, did you learn anything more about women than... About women? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. No. <laughs> Certainly not from the, the perspective of my character. <laughs> Clearly has a really fucked up relationship with women. <laughs> I don't know if that's the place to start. <laughs> learning more. <laughs> Hi, considering the fact that uh, uh, you had to depict a very kind of um, convincing depiction of murder, as well as work with a camera behind you, did you ever find this role to be uh, particularly physically demanding? Uh, f physically challenging at times, primarily as it, as it pertained to how I would physically get myself into certain scenarios with the camera there, working around the camera. So at times that was challenging. Um, some of these reflection shots, having to sometimes work in tandem with the camera and be in sync with the camera, that was challenging. There's actually a shot in the film where I'm, we actually didn't have a mirror, we had a, a a cutout of where the mirror was supposed to be and we just had the camera looking directly at me. Um, so it saw the mirror frame as if it were a mirror. And we had to time out all of my movements. So if I moved my head, it had to move. Things like that were very interesting and fun to work with. Um, what I found actually very interesting and very disturbing in, in, in playing a character like this, the only time that it really felt like I was delving into the darkness of the character was as it pertained to actually physically having to kill someone. <laughs> and there are two s scenes in the film, one where I, I, I drown someone and they pass out, and another where I choke someone. And both of those moments felt incredibly real. Um, there's a, a woman who's taking a bath and I put her head underwater and she screams and holds her head underwater. And granted, the actress, was basically controlling it herself, but man, it felt so real, <laughs> and it did not feel good. Um, and I, I, at a certain point, I also had to choke this, this young girl, um, and that wasn't exactly pleasant either, so. 
After having such big, widespread roles and kind of taking on these iconic ones and such and having a level of success, what is it that drives you to take that next role, to keep expressing yourself and take on something like this? Is it just story-based? Is it, I see this being artistically great, so I want to be a part of it? Is that more of your motivation? or I, I'd say it's both of those things, or it can be a variety of those things. Um, yeah, I think I'm always looking for new experiences, but at the same time, it can be, I mean, it can be a director that I'd love to work with. It can be, in, in this particular instance, it was a, an approach that I found really fascinating and unique and exciting. And I, I wanted to be a part of playing a villain that you don't see. And I found that so interesting. So that was a real motivating factor for this. Um, yeah, it can be a number of things. It can be a story that I love. Um, it can be a role specifically, something that I've never done before or something that I feel will be a new challenge. Um, I, I always just kind of follow my, my gut, as simple as that sounds, and that can really be in reference to any number of things. But, you know, I, I kind of follow my intuition and what, what I get excited about, you know. But I think I'm always trying to just keep... I, I never know where the path is going to lead me, and I find that exciting. I don't really plan. Um, I don't look ahead too much. I kind of look to what's in front of me and what interesting experiences I can have. And with this movie, it's also kind of fun to fuck with people's perception. <laughs> on, a, on a small level, uh, that's fun. And uh, on that note, uh, <laughs> <before I> <laughs> What a beautiful I note know. to end on. Well, thank you. <laughs> Elijah Wood. <laughs>